Hey, I'm Elijah, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad that you're here, and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, so I did some math uh, over the last couple uh, weeks. I was doing some computing, and I know that makes me sound smarter than what I actually am, but I realized that there are only 50 days left in the year. So come January 1, so if you're like, December 31st, no, I'm counting to January 1st, but there are 50 days left in the year. So somebody in this room is turning around and be like, I know what New Year's resolution I made last January. I haven't got to that. And they're like, in 50 days, I can cram that in and I can get that done. Somebody's leaving here being like, I'm hitting the gym and I know I can drop 20. Like, again, don't do that. Be healthy. But with us, 50 days, 50 days, that's, that's crazy to me. To think about what God has done in the last, like, 300 and whatever, minus 50, that is, 310 days, it's insane. To look at what, where, where you were at a year ago, to know that you got 50 days. Now, again, do, do you get a new year, whether it's December 31st or January 1st? Like, no, it's, all the days are the Lord's. But for us to think about this, we have 50 days. And the reason why I'm, I, I keep saying this is I, I want to challenge you with an application today. So I'm going to bring up the application right now. Uh, today's focus is going to be fasting. So we've been going through the Sermon of the Mount. We've been making our way through uh, Matthew chapter 6. And when we get to Jesus' teaching on fasting. And the reason why I say I want to challenge you to do this is similar to prayer. What's the point of listening to a sermon about prayer if it's not going to push you to go pray? It doesn't do you any good. Like one thing that I don't ever want to necessarily uh, see or hear, and I know like, I'm not perfect about this, but if you hear preaching, you go to a Bible study, I hope you can apply that like 1% to your life. You don't got to like full send and have that like complete revival moment where you're completely different. Like hopefully that happens if it's the gospel. But in the same right, instead of getting overwhelmed, how can you apply it just 1%? So I want to challenge you after the end of this. I would like you to fast at some point. We'll go over the exacts of how to fast and how to do it properly and all those things. But I would like to challenge you to fast. Now for some of you who like the, the, the how many times... More than zero. Figure it out from there. We got 50 days. More than zero is what you got. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' teaching, starting in verse 16, reads, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their face, faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. So kind of uh, the same thing we talked about with prayer and giving and uh, being righteous. Notice the when you. It's not if you. It's a big, big moment. It's a big thing. Because what Jesus is doing is Jesus is inviting uh, the people of God, his followers, into this spiritual practice. It's something that was uh, happening back in the Old Testament. Jesus doesn't, like, condemn this teaching. He doesn't say, stop doing this. 
Now, when he talks about, like, other things like the law and sacrifice, like oxen and birds and all that stuff, he says, again, like, the law was complete because of me. We don't abolish it, but it's complete because of me. In this moment, when Jesus is teaching about fasting, he says, when you. So this is a very, very common practice back in Jesus' day. But Jesus also, when he's speaking, he he knows that his word is going to go all the way to the end of the line. He's the alpha. He's the omega. Not one iota of the word of God will, will disappear. And so for him, he's inviting people into a very, very common practice. So what is fasting? So for us, uh, essentially fasting is giving something up, typically food, for a period of time. And this can be a day, this can be a week. And if you you look at certain aspects of the Bible, Jesus went 40 days fasting. He didn't eat. This is where the the tempter of the devil comes up and they make this rock some bread. Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. I'm sure after going 40 days without eating anything, that bread probably sounded really good, even if it tasted like a rock. But you can fast for any amount of time. But the point of fasting is to wholly, holistically, like completely focus on God. Fasting is not meant to just be like physical malnourishment. I didn't eat breakfast. Oh, I'm fasting. Like, you can't turn something spiritual halfway through it. Like, if anybody, like, gets up in the morning, you got to rush out to get it, make sure that you're not hitting traffic, and, like, you don't eat breakfast. You can't be halfway to work and be like, oh, I'm going to fast today. Now it's lunch. No, there's a purpose to fasting. It's not just not eating. It's not just skipping a meal. There's a purpose to, hey, I'm going to fast. So I kind of put, fasting is basically time spent in full communion focusing on God. Whatever you're doing during that time of fasting, you're focusing on God. So that's why I say you can't just like arbitrarily accidentally forget to do something like, man, I haven't been on social media for like three weeks. I fasted. No, you didn't. You forgot to log on, which is good for you. That's some quality there. You can't just forget to eat breakfast. Well, there we go. But for us, fasting is not a, a punishment. It's meant to be some sort of spiritual discipline. So again, when Jesus says, when you. He's inviting people to participate in this. And so for me, the, the types of fasts you can have, like I brought up, it's typically food, but you can, you can fast from social media, TV, video games. Again, if your parents take away your switch or your computer or whatever, you can't say, I'm fasting. You don't get to add the spiritual realm to that because you've been punished. That's actually a punishment. It's not a fast. But if you're like, you know what, like, I, I don't know where you're at. Every once in a while, you go through that, like social media detox and you get away from it, that would be considered a fast. You get off a video game for a little bit. I'm going to make sure that I put my attention elsewhere. That's a fast. So food, uh, social media, th- there can also be types of food. So if you think Lent, sometimes people are like, I'll give up dark chocolate. And I'm going to give up dark chocolate from this time until basically Easter. That would be a type of fasting. And then for married people, I'm going to speak, try to speak above uh, some kids' heads. Uh, you also can give up conjugal rights. If you need the Bible for that, that's 1 Corinthians 7. Nobody wants to go look at that by the end of the day, but there are types of fasts that you can give up. And what is the point? To focus on prayer, to focus on God, to focus on the spiritual. So during these times of fasting, the goal, like I told you, is to spend time fully focusing on God. That is fasting. So there's no spiritual advantage to just going without like, I'm going to give up peeps for 40 days. And like, you hate peeps. Like, then do anything. If you're going to delete Facebook, and again, there, there, there's not a spiritual advantage to just going without. The point of fasting 
is while you're going without, you're focusing on God. So to say, hey, I'm going to get off of social media. If you're just going off of social media and be like, I don't want to look at it, but you're not like reading the word of God or you're not praying, you're, you're not trying to commune with God more often, there's no benefit to just going without. The point is to give up something, and during those times, you focus on God. So there's a spiritual advantage, though, to setting aside for a designated time period something. And while during that, you're fasting, you're focusing, and you're praying. So why is the removal of set things so spiritual? And I read it in one of my books uh, this week. It says, fasting is setting aside earthly delight to focus and experiencing spiritual delight. So very, very f- simple. You give up food for a little bit. Because you want your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole being to focus on something spiritual. You give up food, you give up chocolate. This is where like sometimes like uh, people who celebrate Lent, like it's such a small thing. I'm going to give up sweets. For some of us, I, I don't, does that drive us? Like, do you really need that, that, that Hershey bar in the middle of the day? And if it's like, you're like, yes, I do, then great. But for some of us, we might not say it's chocolate, but we would say coffee. We would give up coffee for a little bit. Why? Because we would understand that taking away that earthly delight that God blessed us with the beautiful bean that is coffee, and we give that up for a little bit, and while we realize, like, wow, I'm sluggish. Wow, I really like that flavor. I, I, I really needed that. You start focusing, being like, wow, I really need that. But you want to know where my fulfillment comes from? You want to know where my true delight comes from? It comes from God. So that's what fasting is. And all of this is, is good and uh, for us to make sure that we're, we're focusing on, yes, the, the, the things that God gives us, food and marriage. Uh, you look at types of food. You look at social media can be good. Not always, but social media can be good. Video games can be good. But who's the greatest gift giver ever? It's God. So when we give those things up, we're meant to be focusing on the greatness of the one who gives us those gifts. Now, for some of you, if you gave up coffee for a week and you went back to it a week, I think the first thing you're going to say is, oh, thank God. For some of you, like, again, to look at it, but like, man, I, I haven't been able to eat. Oh, praise God, I get to eat something. But the focus is supposed to be on God. So what can fasting do? Uh, fasting and focusing on prayer uh, can help us hear from God. So setting aside that time, setting aside those moments where we're, we're praying diligently, we're not spending all that time, like, again, you're not eating, so fill that time when you would eat with prayer. You focus to God, like, hey, God, where do I need to go in life? What's my next step? And I love the Bible because it says many are the plans of a man's heart, but God directs his steps. You focus on God and you're fasting. Fasting can bring about direction. Fasting and prayer can reveal hidden sin, and boo, that's a scary one. If you ever want the scariest prayer you ever can turn around and to pray to God and say, God, reveal that thing that is holding me back from you. Because he's good. He's sure. He's truth. And boy, howdy, will he'll turn around and show up. And sometimes we're not ready for that. Sometimes we don't want that. But fasting for a period can turn around and show those things. Uh, fasting and focusing on prayer can strengthen intimacy with God. You start realizing, like, Man, I'm starving and I need you to get through the next two hours. It's more of a focus. It's a relationship. It's an intimacy. I need you. Fasting and focusing on prayer can teach us to pray with right motives. Have you ever done the quick, like, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, amen? Dear Heavenly Father, 
please bless this food in my body. Amen. Uh, actually, we, we t- a couple of our location pastors uh, were reading a blog from a pastor uh, during our prayer uh, series where the guy got so, like, focused in what was going on in the gathering. So there was, like, a testimony before a baptism, and the, it went a little long. And, dangerous thing when you give some people mics they, they talk a lot and, but he in his head he's like okay i gotta i gotta cut this out of my message i got this we got this we got the announcements when he got up and he prayed before he got to preach he said dear heavenly father please bless this food into our body for us sometimes when we go to pray we're not praying with the right motives we're not actually there and again i don't, I don't mean this to bash this guy but there's sometimes that i do this i'm praying but i'm not not really there saying the words, but my heart's not really following. If you're focusing on fasting, you're focusing on prayer, you purposely put yourself in a spot where you're checking your motives, you're, you're redirecting your life. Why is it that my prayer is always give me, give me, give me, not you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing? Or wow, I, I, I thought I needed more, but I got a pantry full of food and I need to start praying for other people. Like The redirection of prayer is huge. And the last one that fasting can do, fasting and prayer can build our faith. It's the root of it all. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him is the core of our relationship with Christ. So fasting brings about direction, repentance, relationship, redirection, and faith. So why did I want to challenge you to fast at least one time before the end of the year? Because I pray to God that somebody here needs direction in their life. I pray to God somebody here realizes that they need some repentance from some things. I pray to God that somebody needs to like develop a deeper relationship with the Lord. I pray to God that somebody here is like, I need to redirect my steps. I'm going down a path that I know I should not go. And here's the big one, like the root of it all. Like I, I pray you're not like satisfied with your faith in God right now. Even if you're like, man, but I'm doing really, really good. And praise God for that. I, you know there's more of God than what we can comprehend, right? We always can grow in our relationship with God. There, there, there's no plateauing in our relationship with God. Now, again, it's mostly ups and downs, but the depth of what you can know about who God is, how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, how much grace and love he has for you, that's unlimited. For us, why do I want to challenge you? Because I pray to God that you want to actually have some of these in your walk with God. It's not just, well, I went to church on Sunday. And I pray that on Monday you, you want to continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. But similar to prayer, though, uh, you won't get anything if you don't apply it. So you can sit here, but man, I learned a lot about fasting. Monday, nah, I don't care. So I'm going to challenge you. 50 days left. More than zero. And then take it from there. So for us, though, to look at like how we actually pray. Jesus explains how to not fast first. So to go back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. And truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So what are the things that Jesus is saying? Hey, if you're going to fast, if you're going to step into this, if you want to step into the spiritual discipline, what do you need to do? The first thing is like when you're going without, you can't walk away or walk around with a gloomy face. Pull yourself together. Yes, you're giving up food. Yes, you're giving up social media. But you can't be walking around like this. This is the worst thing ever. Jesus is saying, even though, again, you have a gloomy face like the hypocrites. We we talked about this when we did prayers. The actors. Oh, my gosh, I'm so hungry. 
I'm going to die. Every single teenage boy who's ever walked into the house when they open up the covers, open the fridge, there's no food in here. They wallow and go. That's not what you do when you're fasting. No gloom. Pull yourself together. Uh, you get to walk around and be like, I'm suffering for the Lord. No. Don't do that. Because again, you go back to the hypocrites. You go back to the actors. This, this romanticizing, this acting up for our, our spiritual walk with God. Like Jesus is saying, don't do that. And we'll get to why, but again, ultimately because your desire is to be seen by others, not to be seen by God. But he also brings up, he's like, you're not meant to be seen by others. Now, kind of common sense principle, like uh, husbands, if, if you're going to step into a fast, maybe tell your spouse because you don't want to offend them by not eating dinner because that could look really rude. Like, here's dinner. Oh, no. Nah. Speak. What's the, what's the motive in your heart here? I'm not letting people know. Uh, it's not necessarily like dogmatic. You'd be like, hey, like, I'm fasting right now. I'm not trying to offend you. And again, like, you don't want to trigger your wife by not eating something that they make you because then they go around being like, they're ungrateful. They don't like my cooking. And then insecurity wins and anxiety wins. So uh, the motive behind your heart should not be seen by others. But the reality is if you're going without and you're not eating for a while and you trip and you fall, maybe you're hypoglycemic. Maybe you need to make sure there's food there. Like probably letting somebody in that you're about to step into fasting would be wise. But just understand that the goal of fasting is to not be seen by others. It's that intimate time with God. And then the last one is our our time uh, with fasting. The thing that you should not do is the focus is on the father during fasting, not trying to look spiritual. You don't walk around, oh, man, can't wait till the end of the day, man, I'm getting a giant pizza. Okay, what's, what's, why can't you get pizza now? Oh my gosh, I just, I'm doing something for the church right now, doing something for my walk with Jesus. Like, no, the focus is to not be seen by others. It's meant to be focusing on the God. So similar to prayer, and this, this is horrible. If you live a life like the hypocrites, if you're trying to get that attention, if your focus is on getting that, like, uh, uh, the, the horizontal uh, exoneration and exhortation, like, hey, good job, you lose the reward from God. So imagine fasting. You decide you're going to fast for 24 hours. You don't eat. You go through all of that, but the entire time you're showing gloom, you're trying to make people pay attention to you, you're never actually focusing on God, you're never actually praying then you just go 24 hours of just not eating. You get nothing from that. No reward, no positive. Because why? Because you were walking around with a prideful heart trying to get everything from people. The point of fasting is to not get stuff from people. The point of fasting, going into the second, is to focus on God. So Jesus, again, then now explains how to actually do this correctly. So starting in verse 17, Jesus says, But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So a couple things about when you fast. One, it's the when you. You should purpose a time to actually fast. You shouldn't just go run like a 5K marathon and then get home and be like, Nah, it's a good time to fast. You, your body's going to be drained. You're, you're out of electrolytes. Like, again, you're, you're, you're probably not going to make it that far. You can't accidentally walk into a spiritual discipline. You can't accidentally pray. You can't accidentally give. You can't accidentally serve. You can't accidentally worship. You have to purposely walk into these things. 
So this idea when Jesus says, when you, set that time up for you. If you know you got a huge meeting at work, probably going in hangry is not the best idea. Now, if you want to be super spiritual, good for you. Go for it. But you set that time aside. When you pick that specific time. But I love what Jesus says here. Because, again, this is a big thing for everybody because hygiene is biblical here. When you fast, what does he say? Anoint your head with oil. Again, you just kind of like slick your hair back. You actually got to comb your hair. You got to wash your face. Why? Because you got to walk around like you're, you're not trying to get the praise of other people. To go back to that uh, whole idea, like, are you walking around like a hypocrite? Are you walking around like an actor? Are you trying to get people to see your devoutness to the Lord? No, Jesus says, wash your face. Again, that's biblical. Comb your hair. It's biblical. Take care of yourself. And walk like there isn't anything necessarily going on. Because your focus isn't other people. Your focus isn't to, to like, tip somebody off. Your focus is on God. And the last one, I love this again, uh, that your fasting may not be seen by others. Now, if somebody offers you, hey, here's some pizza, and you're like, no, no, no. You don't got to, like, bolt out of the room or take the pizza and go throw it away. Like, again, like, don't be dogmatic. Don't be black and white. Like, but your goal is to keep it to yourself. So, again, that, that horizontal privacy is there because you're meant to be focusing on the vertical Lord. That, that's what you're sitting there. So as a this week, just kind of like working through different things. Lord, show me where I need to go. Uh, my two boys who are eight and six and they're eating like 18 year olds and 16 year olds because like all they do is they want to eat. We'll eat dinner 10 minutes later. We want to eat. So a couple days ago, like I, I'm literally in the middle of making breakfast. Like I'm talking like eggs are going, bacon's going, hash browns are in the oven. Like I, I, I'm Chef Ramsay at that moment, man. I, I'm in the middle of it. They can openly see me doing everything. And what do they do? They show up to me. Dad, I'm hungry. All right, buddy, uh, can I get a snack? No, you'll be fine. Give me about 20 more minutes. We're going to be ready. Uh, I'm dying right now. No, you're not. Give me 20 more minutes. It's going to be done. Dad, I'm starving right now. No, you're not. Give me 20 minutes. You're going to be fine. And then this is my favorite thing that uh, one of my kids said. I'm suffering right now. You've been watching way too much Superbook. You've been learning way too much with Gary. You're knowing way too much about the Lord. But he just looks at I'm suffering right now. And again, to look at suffering, like that, that, that becomes us when we become hangry. That becomes us when we go without food. Uh, we, 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 we begin to suffer. Why? Because to deprive yourself is suffering. We live in such a, a culture where you can get whatever you want whenever you want it. You can go find food. You can go find water. You, you can pop on social media. You can order whatever you want on Amazon, and it could be at your house by the time you get home today. That's the culture we live in. But for us, like this idea of depriving is suffering. So why is our suffering quietly so important when we fast? Because if we're walking around suffering externally, we're, we're suffering publicly, that draws attention to our plight. And again, the, the, the Instagram culture that we look at, like the, the Christian culture goes for this, like, pay attention to me. Look at me. This is what I'm doing. Got my Bible, got my coffee, here's my snapshot. And again, if you're doing that with good intentions, praise be to God for that. But if you're doing it to be looked at, but we also like posting stuff and we like showing people, like, we, we draw people to our plight, the difficulties, the hardships. We make sure people know this. 
But fasting isn't meant to draw the attention to our plate. Our, our, our attention for us, we have to make sure that we understand that fasting is a willing process. It's a when you. You're openly walking into, I'm going to fast, then you're going to whine about it the entire time. That makes no sense. You walk into marriage, you know you're getting married, and then guess what? Your husband or your wife, they don't think like you. Go figure. But I'm going to whine about it the entire Look at the plight that I'm in. You're married. But so often with, with, with us, like we love to draw attention to our plight, our, our difficulty, our hardships, our suffering, our deprived. But that's not fasting. Fasting is a willing process that you walked into. I'm going to set this, side aside, set this time aside, and I'm going to fast. You don't accidentally fast. Jesus is saying you, you, you purposely walk in with the motivation, with the time, with the goal, and you set that aside, I'm going to focus on the Lord. So to step into that, like, that, 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 that hangry mode, though, I realize I, I'm completely guilty of this. Like, again, I'll like, work out and be like, man, just walk into a room, just like, man. That arm day was real rough. Walk around, you do like the weird stutter. And my leg day was real rough. But I, I, I was looking at this week, and I was like, we do this in so many different ways. It might not be working out. It might not be with leg day, but it's like, well, hope today gets better. Oh, you're listening to me now. We're not supposed to bring attention to plight. Now, again, prayer requests, those things are okay. But are we making sure that, especially with fasting, it's a willing process? If I turned around and said, man, leg day really got me the other day. I said, Ryan, you, you chose to work out. Man, arm day really beat me up this week, man. My arms and biceps are killing me. Like, you chose to. We cannot bring plight to things that we choose to do. We're supposed to, again, in a sense, you suffer in private. You, you keep it to yourself. So biblically, God doesn't want you to be the guy who's walking around being like, man, I'm so hungry. I'm suffering for the Lord. He wants you to quietly Focus on him. Why? Because he wants to bring direction in your life. He wants to bring you to a place of repentance. He wants to bring you to a place of a deeper relationship. He wants to bring you to a place of redirection. And ultimately, at the root of it all, he wants to bring you to a place of increasing your faith. Because at the very end, in Matthew 6, verse 18, he says, But by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret, will reward you. Our, our, our focus, our, our, everything that we do at the center is of fasting is ultimately to increase our faith, to increase our understanding and our relationship with the Lord. So the reward of fasting, if it's done right, is the time spent with God. It's the truth he taught you. It's that, the revealing that came up. It's, it's that intimacy moment. It's that redirection. It's that re- repentance. So when you fast, though, your nourishment is totally on God. That's what the focus is. So, so for us, we deprive ourselves from physical nourishment to better focus on spiritual provisions that can only come from the Father. And that's so in secret. Now, can you talk to people, hey, I uh, went through some stuff and God revealed this. You don't got, but man, I fasted. It was the greatest experience ever. I'll tell you what the Lord said. In the same right, like, to be able to be honest about it, like, man, the Lord showed up in the last couple of weeks of my life. How did he show up? I was just praying with him and he showed up. But our point is, for us, we need to make sure that we are, when we fast, the point is to develop faith. So for me, like, who, who here needs more faith in their, with their walk with God? 
pretty good. Everybody's here. Uh, I'm good. Even for the youngest kids who are like, I don't care about this. We need more faith in Jesus. We need more understanding of what he did for us on the cross. We need to understand that where that victory is found in Christ. We need to understand that the sin is separated from east to west. But for us, when we get to this place, like, why do we fast? Why would we want to fast? Because it brings us to a place where we know God better. For us, notice that more often than not, when we cry out, Lord, I need you, you're at the epicenter of something horrible going on in your life. Marriage is falling apart. Kids are getting crazy. Bills are way too high. You got, you got, the cupboards aren't full. Hardly ever do we go to the Lord when it's like, man, Lord, I need you. Man, marriage is going pretty good. Bills are taken care of. I got food in my cupboard. I got food in my belly. Kids are being respectful. Everything's going well. It's not when we go to the Lord. But for us, when fasting, you walk into that, you take something away. You deprive yourself. You put yourself in that highly, highly, highly intimate moment. And you say, Lord, I need you. Lord, show up. Lord, I need to see you. Because fasting is a willing process that Jesus invites us to do that allows us to bring him front and center. And the last one I would say is a little bit more just different application. If you're going to go fast, uh, make sure you're reading your Bible. There's your free commercial for the day. When Jesus goes and fasts for 40 uh, days in Matthew chapter 4, verse 31, uh, it says, And the tempter uh, came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Uh, but he answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you're going to walk into fasting, so again, focusing on God, praying to God, one of the best ways to focus that is read your Bible. The Holy Spirit confirms the Word of God. The Word of God confirms the Holy Spirit. One of the best ways you possibly can grow while you're fasting. Hey, how do I get that redirection in my life? How do I get that repentance in my life? How do I get to a place where I know him more intimately? Open up your Bible. It doesn't do you any good to just go without and then wing it. I think this is what God's telling me to do. No, stop, read the Bible for a couple minutes. And again, fasting is meant to be time that is spent fully focused on God. So this is what we want to do. So if we fast, we deprive ourselves, take that time, we make sure that we're focusing on God. you got to crack open your Bible. I think so often I'll talk to people and they'll be like, hey, I fasted for a couple days. It's like, okay. And they'll, they'll explain like what they're probably, I just didn't feel like God showed up. All right, like again, we're, we're already past the point. Okay, what happened? What? They don't crack the Bible open. They just sit there hungry. It seems odd to me. Because if the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good, if the Bible says that man shall not live on bread alone, but by any, every word that comes out of God's mouth, why would we not want to fill ourselves up on that? So we've got 50 days left. The reason why I want to challenge you to fasting, and this is my biggest desire as a pastor, I want to see you have a deeper relationship with the Lord. If you're not going to go into fasting with the right motives, the right intent, and you don't think you can do it, don't do it. Uh, for me, I realized a while ago, like, I, I'm not the chef here. I'm just the waiter. I, I, I can take the Bible, and I can be like, here's what the Bible says. And we can have fun, it can be engaging, it can be applicational, it can be a little convicting sometimes. But, like, all I am is the waiter. The true chef is God. He, he's the one who's pushing your heart. He's the one who's going like, to actually bring a change, because I know I can't bring a change. The only change that happens is because of God. But I do want to push you. I want to push you that we got 50 days left. 
So there are nine locations of churches all preaching on fasting this week. And I have no idea what any of those other location pastors are landing on this week. I guarantee Pastor Jason down in Waterford probably has some sort of prop or visual aid because he is like the go-to prop and visual aid. Pastor Chuck broke this down probably in Greek and Hebrew and all those things, and the guy goes deep. But for us, I have no idea where they're going to land. But the thing I do know is the point of fasting points you to a place of seeking out the Lord. And so for me, just this is my simple math, if more than 2,000 people are all hearing about Matthew chapter 6, and if 2,000 people are all hearing about this idea that we should all take a time and willingly step into a time where we're pleading with the Lord and growing in the Lord and knowing the Lord, what in the world is the Lord going to do in the next 50 days? So why do I want us to be a part of this? Again, reading through the Bible, I'm like, what happens when God's people actually pray? What happens to God's people when they actually seek his face? What happens to God's people when they actually want to be obedient? I went up to Joshua and God making the sun stop. I went to the Daniels and uh, shutting the lion's mouth and Daniel's friends getting thrown into a furnace. And again, they, they get to stand next to Jesus. Uh, I'm looking at the times where, again, Jesus is there. And it's a little unfair advantage because God did so many things through Jesus and prayer and fasting. And he uses fishermen and tax collectors to completely change the world. One of the ones that I laughed at about the church turned around and praying for Peter when he was in jail, and then Peter just shows up. Hey, guys, I'm here. Like, all those moments. But one of the ones that, like, kind of, like, really stuck to me this week while I was reading those is when Solomon kind of opened the temple. Some Bible background for you. You got David, the guy who killed Goliath. Uh, David asked God, hey, can I build your temple? And God said, no, because there's blood on your hands. But your son gets to. David has a son, Solomon turns around and he eventually builds a temple, which basically the temple was the place where everybody comes to worship the Lord. Uh, They got the Holy of Holies, you put the Ark of the Covenant in there. This is where a lot of amazing worship happens, and the beautiful thing is, like, the temple is, like, still relatively standing in Israel rather than now. You have the second temple that Herod builds, that's a whole different conversation, but that place is still there. And while I was reading through this, with that idea of what can happen if people truly seek the Lord's face, what can happen to somebody if we're truly kind of like putting ourselves in a spot where we're willingly walking into a process where we're able to know God? In Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 reads, And if my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers that have been made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house. That my name be there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there for all time. I love reading through this. Because you've got a group of people. If you ever read the Bible, these aren't superheroes. There aren't guys that have any other uh, skill or ability better than you. Well, David knew how to use a slingshot. Fantastic. Some of you know how to use a computer. To look at it, like the, the people in the Bible were no different than you and me. Lived in a different age, lived in a different culture. Still sinful, still ordinary, still normal people. But the extraordinary thing is that they had faith in God. The extraordinary thing is that they, they understood where God was. They understood where God brought their provisions. They understood that God was capable. God could bring victory. God was there for them in everything. And for us, so often, we don't willingly step into a process where we actually can kind of know God. When was the last time you had to pray to God, that, Dear Lord, I need a bag of flour? 
Dear Lord, I, I, I need lunch. Dear Lord, if I don't get food, my child's not going to make it the week. We, we understand dependency on the Lord in a very, very small fraction of what the dependency of the Lord is. But that's all the physical. Think about the spiritual things that we need out of God. But when you look at this, what, what does God say? God, God calls us people. He says, hey, I'm going to call you to humility. Those who humble themselves. To look at ourselves and realize that our way isn't the way. To understand that God's way is the only way. And for us to get to a place where we trust God and we trust what he's doing. But God says, hey, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, how often do we try to walk without the Lord? But to humble ourselves and be like, I need you. How beautiful is it in the sight of a humble church that in everything that we do, we need the Lord. We need the Lord to open the doors every day. We need the Lord to help move in people's lives. We need the Lord to take 180, 184 uh, high school students to uh, an all-nighter and bring them back safely. Lord, we need you. But God says, Man, humble yourself and pray. Not just sit there and be like, ah, I'm humble myself. Okay, but petition the Lord. But he didn't show up. Do it again. But I pray to the Lord to help me with that. Do it again. And keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. We talked about this. The only way to get better at prayer is to continually do it. It's the only way to get better at prayer. He says continually be a people of humility. To be a people of prayer. And he says those who seek my face, longing to know God better. Now for us, this is the gospel moment. For us, the way that we're able to know God perfectly is through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the perfect incarnate deity. He, 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 again, we're going to talk about this when we do uh, Christmas time, but he came 100% God, 100% man. We're able to understand the love of God because of the perfect form of Jesus Christ. We're able to understand his patience, his love, his teaching, his provision. But for us, how often do we long to see God's face? So we want to see a humble church. We want to see a prayer, prayerful church, but do we have an expected church? Because for me, like, I, I can't wait for the day I get to go see him. Um, I'm okay with that being a couple more days because I'd love to see my kids grow up in the same ride. I hear a horn blow, and it's like, oh, Jesus time. Okay, let's go. But are we, we're longing. We're pushing after. And again, even if he doesn't come now or in our lifetime, you, you know you can still seek his face now, right? So for us, if we're a church that is turning around humbling ourselves, prayerfully seeking him, we're expecting, but this is the big one, repenting. And they turn from their wicked ways. Now, I don't have a list of what you need to turn from. I don't follow you. I'm, write that down. I'm going to bring it up on Sunday. I don't do that. But the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is I know for the fact the Holy Spirit is already revealing you in that area where you're like, dude, i got to turn away from this. i got to turn away from this ideology. I'm starting to look more like the world. I'm starting to have debased thinking. I'm starting to trust more in my anxiety in my own ways rather than the Lord. But I don't know what you need to turn from. But the Lord says, and again, and fasting for us can help with all of these. When God says, again, I, I'm looking for people who are humble. I'm looking for people who pray. I'm looking for people who, who are longing for, for me. I'm looking for people who are, who are repentive. You don't know what fasting does? It brings all those things to the front of your mind. It brings all those things to the front of your life. Like, Lord, reveal this to me. But then I love this statement that he says. And if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and they seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will. I love the I wills in the God. 
Whenever God says, I will do this, I, I cling to those. I want those. I want to know those. But if we are living the way that we need to, if we step into fasting, we actually put ourselves in a place where we're praying, we're humble, we're, we're longing for God, we're repentant. What God says is, I will hear you. I will forgive you. There's a big one. I will heal the land. And boy, do we need that. And my name will be, and he's talking more about the temple. The temple in Solomon's time is no longer the real temple because we accept Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes and lives in here. The book of Corinthians says that we are his temple. So to hear that we are his temple and to hear what God says, my name will be there forever. Oh man, do I want Jesus' name really, really close to me. But for us, why in the world would we fast? Because of these I wills. I want to hear from the Lord. I want forgiveness. I want to know I've been forgiven. Lord, I I need to see you show up and heal this land. Lord, I, I, I need you to give me my attention. Lord, I need to know that you're with me. So why do I call you to fast? Because you need that. And it starts with a posture of humility, prayer, longing for God and repentance. And then when we deprive ourselves, we're focusing on him. The plight is not meant to just be in vain. It's meant to put yourself in a spot where you're focused on him and trusting that the Lord will do those things. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. But when you fast... Anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Church, I'm challenging you. 50 days. Look at your calendar. Figure it out. I'm not here to say that you have to do it on this day or this day or on this day. You are capable of being able to look at your schedule. You're capable, maybe you want to do it with your husband, you want to do it with your wife, you're going to do it as a family, we're going to talk about this, we're going to walk into this, but 50 days. Is it 24 hours, is it a week, is it 40 days? That's, that, that's, that's between you and Jesus. I don't have the right to put a restriction or an established thing on your fasting with the Lord. But I want to challenge you. Because for every single one of us, we know we need Jesus in our life. For every single one of us, we know we need that faith. And for some of you, Maybe it's going to start with today. Maybe taking a knee at the altar, coming to talk to me and we can pray for you. But again, maybe today you're holding on to that thing that's keeping you from Jesus. Just jumping to fasting isn't necessarily going to do anything because you can get made right with God right now. It's going to him and saying, please forgive me. I've wandered away. I've made this what it's not supposed to be. And Lord, I need you now. And then for those of us who are going to turn around and fast, just brings it up. We get to see him hear from him. We get to know that we're forgiven. We get to see him do things around us. But what happens if in 50 days of 2,000 people are seeking the Lord? I don't know, but I'm excited to find out.